Welcome to Hillside Baptist Chapel's weekly Bible study. Please join Dr. Steve Wood every week where we can all collectively grasp a better understanding of God through His Word. This podcast will be published every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Contact information is as follows. Dr. Steve Wood, Pastor, phone or message at 6438-6541, email at Steve rwood002 at gmail.com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to hbcprayerlist2020 at gmail.com. Good evening. This is Dale Wimberly. I've been going to Hillside Baptist since the day it opened. And if you've ever been there, you have probably seen me and maybe my wife there. Uh, I was asked to do equivalent of a Sunday school to me. And uh, so I'll tell you now that I am going to be talking about the book of Luke, chapter 5. And it's the the story of uh, Christ and some of the healings that he did. But if this is a specific one, when I was asked to do this, after I got over the panic of it, Dr. Wood said they were looking for mature Christians. Well, you know what that means. You know, that means old. And I am old. I was baptized into the Southern Baptist Church when I was 12 years old. And I've been a Christian ever since. Not necessarily a good one ever since, but I've been one ever since. Anyway, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 5. And I'm going to start just for a moment in talking about verses 12 and on for a little ways. And it's in my Bible, and I use an NIV Bible. So that's a personal choice. Uh, It seemed to work well with my way of doing things and thinking and reading. and So that's what I've always used. But I'm going to start with uh, verse 12, just kind of a high point, and then the body of what I'm going to talk about is begins in verse 17. Jesus is in one of the small towns and he came across a man covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with, fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, can you make me clean? Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And then Jesus told him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet, obviously the guy did not not tell anybody. Well, and it'd be like kind of, hard to walk down through the middle of town when you've had leprosy forever and all of a sudden you don't have it. I mean, it's not like people are not going to notice and ask you what what happened to you. But anyway, uh, the main part, as I said, that I want to recover is the next section in my Bible, verse 17, Luke 5. One day as he was teaching Pharisees and teachers of the law who had come from 
every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem were sitting there. Now, I want to make a point. Jesus went around, and when he did, after he started his miracles and his preaching, he drew huge crowds of people. Some of them were there for what I'll call the right reason, and some of them were there to try to question what he said, what he did, and, and tell people that he was not preaching what they, ought, they thought he ought to preach. Um, luckily for all of us, he kept on doing that. The power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralytic on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. Jesus was having one of his meetings and they were incredibly popular. They were among, among people who wanted to hear what he had to say and, and people who wanted to disavow what he said and what he believed. And in this crowd, there were there were people who, a lot of people who were like that, the people who were the Pharisees and uh, other people like that who did not want Christ changing the way things were done for, for, for them. And at this time, interjects one thing. In the Bible, there are 30-something miracles performed by Christ. Some include more than one person, so we can't, it's not a count of number of people, it's the number of miracles. The first miracle was converting water to wine. You're, you're familiar with that, I'm sure. The one I'm talking about today is actually the last recorded miracle in the Bible. John wrote that if all of the miracles were written down, they would could not be held in the world. So obviously there were a lot that were never never made it into the Bible. This miracle is recorded in three books of the Bible, three of the Gospels actually. I just chose Luke because it seemed to flow well and seemed to work well for me. Anyway, he was there teaching and people who had come from villages in Galilee, Judea, Jerusalem, and then people from just local people too. The people that were there that were from other places were generally there because they were listening to what he had to say and finding how it did not jive with what they wanted people to believe but Jesus was present and and it says he to, he was present for him to heal the sick some men came carrying a paralytic on a mat and tried to take him into the house where the meeting was was being held and they wanted to lay him before Jesus. Now, that's what people had been doing for a long time. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, 
they decided to go up on the roof and lowered him on his mat. I'll interject this. This is one of the things about this particular miracle, and one of the reasons I'm talking about it today, is because it, it always made me have questions that 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 are you know not religious questions necessarily, but it it made me wonder about things. Well, anyway, they couldn't find a way in the door, and they went up on the roof. Now, that may sound a little bit weird, but in those days, the houses were square and they had flat roofs on top of them. And the roofs were made by putting beams down from one side to the other and then putting something on top of the beams, uh, something like, I don't know, rocks or grass or, you know, just stuff like that. So anyway... uh, they went up, and the, and the houses had steps going up to the roof because with the weather, people would go up there and take part of the roofing off during hot weather to allow you know cooler air to get in and hot air to get out. And then during rainy season, they would put it all back, and hopefully it would be reasonably waterproof. So they, they go up there, in verse 17, one day as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law who had come from every village and were sitting there, and the power of the Lord was on Jesus', Jesus to, be, to heal the sick. Some men were carrying a paralytic on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. Well, what had happened was these four guys had found out that Jesus was preaching, and they had taken this guy that he knew or was a friend of theirs or whatever, and they had carried him all the way from where they lived, I guess, to this house where Jesus was preaching. They, they brought him there to get him cured of his paralysis, I'll say. It's, um, in some of the Bibles, I th- it says palsy or something like that. And uh, I worked in a hospital for 20 years and I never saw a diagnosis of palsy. I think, from what I understand, uh, it's kind of like polio. It's very debilitating. You you can't move, you can't get up, you can't walk, you can't do anything. You're basically paralyzed. Anyway, they lower this guy down in to digress a little. It was those four guys who brought him there. It was their idea, it was their doing, I don't know if the crippled guy could actually even talk, but they took him there because they believed that Christ could cure him, that they weren't out to undermine him or anything. They actually believed, for whatever reason, that Christ could cure their friend. 
So they carried him there. He was on a mat, I think, or something akin to that. And and you could you can imagine how difficult it was to carry somebody, whatever that distance was. I don't care if it was 50 feet or five miles. It it wasn't going to be a day in fun so they but they did get him there then when they couldn't get in the front door they took him up on the roof and they pulled away some of the tiles or whatever was on top of the things and lowered him down right dead in front of Christ when when Jesus saw him and he and he saw the faith of the four men that was, that was part of the reason I chose this part of the Bible to talk about. They, Jesus knew that they had the faith to bring that man there. Well, if you carried him up on the roof and you put him down and Jesus didn't cure him of the paralysis, then they were going to have to pull him back up or something. Because it wasn't going to, so, you know, there was, this was an all-in thing for them. They were doing this, and they believed Christ could cure their friend. When Jesus saw their faith, that's the four guys, I think, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Well, you know, that wasn't actually why they came there. They came there to get the paralysis, you know. And I know, I feel like they, they thought, hmm, this, this is not working out exactly like we planned. But, you know, that's, that's the way it was working out. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy, who can forgive sins, but God alone. That's what they believed. They believed God was the only person who could forgive sins. And in point of fact, they were right. They just didn't understand who the person was they were dealing with. The person who was part man and part God. And that's how he got the ability, had the ability to cure people and to do things like that. But because of what Christ saw when he saw them, he saw a need for them to, or for the, the paralyzed guy, to have his sins forgiven. Back then there was a, a a big idea that sins were related to your health. If you were a bad person, then you were more than likely going to be a, bad, a sick person. Could be pretty much anything, I guess. But it, that's what you know. A lot of people thought. And and the fact when they say only God can create, can forgive people, then they were right. They just didn't understand who was in front of them. The person who was man and God. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, 
Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Well, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. That's Christ's words. Well, Jesus knew what they were thinking, and he asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? Well, for him, there's no difference. They, they don't understand that there is a difference, but to Christ, there is no difference. He can do whatever he wants to do, and if what he wants to do is in line with what God would have him do. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately, he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, We have seen remarkable things today. And they had. This was, this was something probably many of them had never seen before. And I don't know really how much they understood. I know the people who were there against Christ, this, I think this event was one of the first events which led to Christ's crucifixion. The people who were there that were priests and in the, I guess, Jewish religious hierarchy or something, those people saw that they were helpless to stop Christ. They were helpless to stop people from believing what Christ said and who he was. And that, that's the same thing people have thought forever, you know, 2,000 years ago to now. They just don't understand that Christ is God and man and that he is the way for us to be with God when we're no longer here. I, I always thought the story was, was, I don't know, maybe I just didn't think about it enough or didn't know, but I think the people who were there, who, who were for Christ as opposed to trying to get him crucified, were, were just, you know, blown away by it. What do you say? I mean, how do you not approve of or agree with what you what you've seen it's um and and for us today you know i think there are not many miracles around these days but there are some there are some and and for us to know that and to be thankful to god 
for that is, is an obligation that we have if we are trying to be good Christians. Anyway, that's, that's the, pretty much the end of my uh, dissertation. And I, I hope it was informative to you and I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, I thank you for listening. Good evening. Please stay tuned for a short weekly editorial with Face to Face with Dr. Fred. Good evening. This, this scripture is interesting that I'm going to be reading. It is, not, it is in the Old Testament, the book of Jonah. Jonah 1-2 reads, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it. For the wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And he went down to Joppa. And he found the ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them into Tarshish from the presence of of the Lord. And then in chapter 2, the 10th verse, and the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. Many people have heard of Jonah being swallowed by a whale, of course. The Bible reads a great fish, but not to get involved with semantics. I will call it, as most people think of today, a whale. I remember talking to a man many years ago who was skeptical about the Word of God. Do you actually believe that a whale swallowed Jonah, he asked. Yes, I do. I was much younger than him, so I said, if God said Jonah swallowed the whale, I would believe that too. God does not want, of course, us to believe in anything of ignorance. But at that point, I was trying to tell the man I do believe the Word of God. Now, let me ask you a question. Are you living in the belly of a whale today? Charles Spurgeon that great British theologian of years ago, said what I wish to say so much better than I. It is read in the book uh, Ocean Devotion, and it goes like this. We may not excuse ourselves in doing wrong by the lawfulness of an act itself. What is right in another may not be right in me. That which another might do, being perfectly legal, without offense to any person, may still be a grievous wrong to a child of God. For the mariner to go to Tarshish was right enough. Going to Tarshish by sea was not wrong in itself. There would be an end to trade if ships did not 
roam the watery plains. Yes, my dear friend, it may be quite right for certain persons to pursue a course which you must not even think of. For the tyrant sailors to go to Tarshish, listen, that was their business, their calling, their duty. But it is very different with the prophet. It is not Jonah's business, calling, or duty. Why go to Tarshish? There is a solemn difference between being at sea in the path of duty and going there to escape duty. Jonah did exactly as the sailors did, except Jonah was trying to escape from God. And that made all the difference. After all, it is the motive and our intention that must rule the judgment of our choices. Beware of defending your way from the fact that others do it. Beware of doing something merely because it is legal. You may not do that which is contrary to the Lord's will, even though in itself the action may be innocent or even legal. We have no right to do otherwise than as the Lord commands. Oh, dear heart, if you are indeed a servant of God, you will know that obedience is liberty and that holiness is freedom. I ask that question. Are you today living in the belly of a whale? Adelaide A. Pollard, 86 years ago, wrote that great hymn, Have Thine Own Way, Lord. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. While I am waiting, yielded and still. And that question again, are you living in the belly of the whale today? information is as follows. Dr. Steve Wood, Pastor, phone or message at 6438-6541, email at stevewood 2 at 
gmail.com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to hbcprayerlist2020 at gmail.com. Please join us every Wednesday for Bible study at 7 p.m. Thank you and God bless.